0: say Cause the heart to tremble. Remember, there will only bring a smile. But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until.
1: Good morning and happy Sabbath, everybody. Um, if you will turn to First Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen, let me know when you're all there. It says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." We ask for the Lord's blessing upon His word. Amen. Okay. We have a number of prayer requests. Um, John and Darsley traveling to Texas. Have they been there and back? Okay, so they had the safety, so we have a praise. Cindy shared with me today in Sabbath school, and she had it on the bulletin board as well, that her daughter is Michelle, um, is having heart issues. And they've already done one thing to try and fix it, and that caused them to wonder even more what's going on. So just keep Michelle and Cindy and John in prayer and the doctors for wisdom to find out what's causing the heart issues. Vicky's brother Dave has possible cancer in his lymph nodes, and this Wednesday he goes for a biopsy. She is needing to be his medical transport, and her job was giving her a lot of issues with that. And thankfully, this week, they're allowing her to work a 16-hour shift. So please pray for them to continue to allow Vicki to work and be able to also help her brother. And please pray for Dave. Um, her sister Cindy is also in an emotionally and verbal abusive marriage. And they, if you remember, lost both of their children within the last few years. And so that grief is, I'm sure, adding to things. Um, and pray for the hunters and their safety this week. And this. Um, and she's got a baby that she's praying for that is having fevers and seizures, and the mom, who is fe- feeling suicidal because of the problems that the baby is facing. So remember those things, please. And that baby's name is Gavin. If you will kneel with me, we will have prayer now. Father in heaven you have asked us to continue steadfastly in prayer but that we are to be watchful in it with Thanksgiving <clears throat> so as we bring these prayer requests and praises to you we are thankful that you are God that you are strong and powerful and that you love us that all of your promises are yes in Jesus Christ And that your intent and your will is for us to soon live with you with no more injuries and pain and sadness and sickness. So we bring before you Cindy's daughter, Michelle, and her heart issue. We praise you that you know, Michelle, that you have great plans for her. That it is you that will lead the doctors and give them wisdom. And if we ask if it is your will, you will heal, Michelle. Thank you for being with Gavin, this baby that's having seizures and fevers. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is providing hope for his mom and also helping the doctors. We thank you for having taken. John and Darcy safely to Texas and back, and I praise you that Brant is halfway home. And we also pray for Dave. This week he has a biopsy, and we thank you for providing the way for Vicky to be able to be his transport, and we praise you that you will continue to meet that need for Dave and for Vicky. And thank you that these problems that seem to come up in our lives give us ample opportunity to testify to who you are and to what you do. And now I ask your Holy Spirit to speak through Pastor Oaks, to open our ears and our hearts and our our eyes to see who you are and to praise you continually. Amen.
2: Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, wouldn't you say? It really is. I I like the snow, and uh, the Lord blessed us with safe travel, and I'm glad you all got here safely. And um, for those of you who don't know me, um, that could be a blessing in disguise. (laughs) Uh, my name is Bill Oakes, and uh, my wife Gladys is sitting up here in the front. Um, and we've been married uh, for 41 years this past October. And uh, we have three children, and they're in their 40s. That really surprises us. We were going over that this morning. One's 39, she's hanging in there. Um, and we have four grandchildren, all boys. And uh, the oldest is 12, and the youngest is 5. So we're blessed. We're blessed. And um, Gladys and I have been pastoring in Wisconsin. We came from Milwaukee. I think they cut this one off to remind me that I forgot to put on. Here we go. Good. Thank you for that. And that. Okay. Can you hear me Okay. All right. And uh, so we've been pastoring in Wisconsin for 30 years, over 30 years. And I know I look way too young for that, I understand that. <laughs> but just gonna have to wrap your mind around that. <laughs> and uh, then uh, I was elected, recently elected, as uh, Plan giving and trust service director for Wisconsin Conference. I've been doing that for almost, uh, well, about three and a half years. And uh, I just have a, a, just a very simple, quick quiz for you. And uh, it's a did you know. It's more like a did you know. I guess the first one could be a, a question. How many people do you think in the United States has, uh, has, a, has a will, currently has a will? What is the percentage? What, what do you think? How many out of ten? Anybody? Okay, five, two, three. 32% Yeah, actually it's 4 out of 10 4 out of 10 people have a will I don't know if it's more than you might have thought Or less uh, The group I talked to uh, just the other day of pastors They told me that they, they thought there would be more people That would have wills But it's 4 out of 10 And uh, did you know that uh, Wisconsin Conference Has a plan giving and trust department uh, Actually, I was a pastor for about 20 years before I knew that, uh, and I, I'm kind of uh, embarrassed about it, but it, you know, I, I really didn't know, so that's why I go and I speak. When I speak, I spend five minutes just sharing a little bit. Uh, did you know that our Wisconsin conference, we currently are uh, responsible for about 425 trusts and wills and uh, charitable gift annuities and things like that, so that's uh, quite a bit. And uh, we're responsible for those in varying degrees. We do that. And um, did you know that in the last four years, just going back from 22, including 22, going back, uh, Wisconsin Conference has received approximately $4.2 million through trusts and wills and charitable gift annuities. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, That is through maturities. And, of course, we don't want to see... Uh, anyone pass, but that's a part of life, and uh, people have left gifts to the Wisconsin Conference to uh, well over $4 million in the last four years, and that's a real blessing. And uh, another part of that blessing is approximately 40% of that goes uh, were, uh, were gifts that were left directly to Local churches, local schools, local ministries. Amen? So people leave to their local church a gift when they pass, or their local school, or Wisconsin Academy, and church in this district uh, that uh, Pastor Drew is, I'm sure, aware of, has a radio ministry uh, in Wisconsin Rapids. And uh, they, that didn't come about as a, from a gift, But it's been maintained and helped to maintain through a gift. And uh, just earlier this year, I was there in Wisconsin Rapids and met an individual who was baptized as a result of that ministry. So uh, lots of things like that. One uh, family, when they passed away, they left a gift that said uh, $20,000 to go towards an evangelistic series run by or led by It Is Written. It hasn't happened because of COVID yet, but that, that will happen. So isn't that you know if you think about it, someday that person is gonna to go to heaven, they're gonna see people in the in the kingdom because of uh partly because God inspired them to give that gift. I think that's amazing. But uh so I, I hope that you received or at least your family received one of these uh uh trifolds, and it just says a little bit about what we do in plan giving, and so I'm not gonna to say too much more. I just want you to know that it's important for you to have a will, especially. I saw, I counted 15 kids up here. There were some kids that didn't come up. Uh, I pastored in Green Bay. Sometimes we had a hard time getting 15 kids up there, and we, it's a much larger church uh, as far as amount of people that attend. So it's amazing. I, I I praise the Lord for all the young people that you have in this church, and uh, so if you are a Parent who has a minor child it's important for you to have a will and you should look into that either through Wisconsin Conference or through your own lawyer because you want to make sure that if something God forbid should happen to you that you have appointed a guardian and a trustee that will take care of your kids otherwise the court will decide that And if you are just a a regular person like me, you don't have minor kids at home, your kids are grown up, but it's important to have a will, because if you pass without a will, what happens is the court decides where that money goes. And here's my last did you know. Did you know that the judge will never give one penny to the church or to God's work? He just won't do that. So it's important, if you're interested in talking to me about it, you can call me at my office. I think I have my cell phone on there, my email. I've made it very easy for you to contact me. I'd be happy to talk with you and answer any questions that you might have. And if I don't have the answer, I'll get the answer, okay? So um, let's just, I think we should bow our heads and have a short prayer. Dear Father, I just want to thank you for having the, privilege of being here in the Marshfield Church with my wife and to see a a number of people that we know and love and uh, we are making new friends here this morning and meeting new people that that you have led here in this church this morning. And so we're so grateful for that and we pray that you will pour out your spirit, that you would help me to speak your word clearly and distinctly and that each one of us will hear your voice speaking to us. Thank you for hearing our prayer, we ask in Christ's name, amen. So um, I'm going to start by telling you about a woman who was rushing home from the doctor's office, she had an appointment, and the doctor was late, so she got into the office late, and then they sent out her lab work, and that took longer. And so the time that she left the clinic, she was running very uh, way behind her schedule, but she still had to p- pick up her prescriptions. She had to pick up the children from the babysitter. She had to make supper and get to prayer meeting on time. It was Wednesday night. And she began, uh, so as she began to circle the busy Walmart lot where she could pick up her prescription, she was looking for a space. And it was as if the windows of heaven were opened and it started to just pour. Does that ever happen to you? You know, you've got to get in. And it just started to rain and downpour. Now usually she wasn't the type of person who would you know, bother God with little prayers. So she usually wasn't that way. But she began to pray as she went down the, the last row or the closest row to the front door. And she said something like, Lord, you know what kind of day I've had. Have you ever prayed like that? Lord, you know what kind of day I've had. And there's still an awful lot to do. Could you please grant me? a parking space right away. And, oh Lord, it would be nice if it was really close to the building. Hey, if you're going to ask, you might as well go all the way, right? And the words weren't even completely out of her mouth when she saw the backup lights of a car coming out at the end of the row. It was the best space in the entire parking lot. Right next to the handicapped spots, Right out from the front door, so she could just get out of the car and get right into Walmart, she made straight for it, and as she pulled in, she kind of as she lifted her head up to God, and she said, "Never mind God, something just opened up." Now, it's a little amusing, but uh, how many times do we ask God for something, and then when we receive it, we behave as if it were coincidence. Do you ever do that? Do you ever catch yourself doing that? We fail to give God credit where credit is due. Or sometimes when our prayers are answered or when we are blessed in a certain way, we may feel thankful, but we don't really express our gratitude, right? And uh, you know, maybe some of you are like me that I've, I've done this, I have to admit. I have been guilty of this. I'll ask God for something like wisdom or courage. I'll be speaking with someone, I'll say, Lord, please give me the right words, or whatever it is. And when I actually receive what I ask for, I feel grateful. Like there's this gratefulness, this gratitude within me, but I don't always express that gratitude to God. And uh, so unfortunately, I've done that. Maybe you've been there too. But the truth of the matter is this that there's a tremendous difference between simply feeling grateful and expressing gratitude. Would you agree with that? There's a difference between the two. And so this morning, uh, in the next uh, maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes here, we're going to talk about not just feeling, what it means to feel grateful. And and there's many reasons for us to feel grateful, but um, learning and uh, Just getting in the habit of expressing our gratitude. To do this, we're going to look at a story in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn to Luke 17. Luke 17. And we're going to start reading in verse, uh, maybe verse 11. Luke 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke 17. Let's find that. And uh, Luke 17, verse 11, under, in my heading, it says the grateful leper, okay? And uh, so let's start with verse 11. Now, it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus... Master, what did they say? Have mercy on us, right? And I'm sure they didn't whisper that. Have mercy on us. And so far in this story, we see that Jesus was on his way to where? To Jerusalem. And it kind of reminds us that he is ultimately heading where? To the cross, right? He's on his way to to the cross. And it reminds us of his mission, right? Of his final destiny. And we're told that he's traveling between Samaria and Galilee when he gets to this village. He's right there on the border. Now commentators say that either there was a a colony, a leper colony close by, or perhaps because this village was right on the, the border, that perhaps this was um, the village itself was the leper colony, but it, in any case, there were some lepers there, and and also his reputation, the reputation of Jesus, had preceded him, right? Because they they knew who he was, they some, they knew him to some extent, and they came out to meet him. Now, this is one of those stories that I think it kind of loses its punch for one thing is we talk about the lepers from time to time, and we've heard that these things before. And the other thing is, is, it's hard to really relate to the lepers in some ways. Um, so it loses its punch, but probably the closest that anyone can come to understanding, I, I, I don't know if you've ever had these commercials in your area, but they, had, they would have this uh, commercial, this leper colony in Canada, and they would have these infomercials for like a half an hour and they would show all the things the missionaries were doing there the people were doing and but they would show pictures and and what these people were going through and it it really i mean it really touched your heart some of the things that they were going through and that that kind of struck me but as horrible as that disease is today it was far worse back then and and I know that that's the case and now now we have doctors who can help with treatments. We have those kinds of places where people can go. And of course, many of you already know that leprosy, uh, really the, the name that is used today, is Hansen's disease, right? And um, in those days, the biggest thing besides, that was worse than, than the, all the pain and, and the physical part of it, the worst part was the isolation and the fear and having to leave their families. In fact, um, maybe I should just tell you a little bit about Hansen's disease, how they, uh, or leprosy, in, in Christ's day, how they knew what was something was wrong. At first, um, they might see uh, little bumps. I think the first uh, the first idea that they might be sick is they would have joint pain and these little bumps, and then they would start to lose sensation. And sometimes those bumps would turn into ulcers and, and sores. And, uh, and then their fingers and their toes and extremities would feel like they were on pins and needles. And so I think, you know, before you had full bone leprosy, you kind of knew that something was happening. And, but the part that, that was the hardest is if you put yourself in their shoes, these people that were lepers, they had to leave their home. They had to leave everything that was familiar to them. They would have to leave their their job. They had no way of working anymore and taking care of their family. They had to leave their spouse. Could you imagine leaving your kids to go to this colony? Everything that was familiar to them, they they were losing all of that. So that was worse than even what was happening to them physically. And think what it was like, must have been like, to be pushed out of the community that they had grown up in, isolated. They had become a charity case. People had to take care of them, to bring them food and so forth and clothing. Add to the fact that the preachers, now get this, the preachers and the teachers of the law commonly would use lepers as an object lesson of sin, right? You know, so could you imagine that you have leprosy, but the religious leaders are saying, if you have leprosy, you must be a big sinner. There must be something that you've done wrong, right? And so you have all of that going, going on. So you were a walking, talking, illustra- living illustration of sin. And so it was very difficult So for them. And I don't know if you've ever thought, what would it be like to never again from this moment on to ever be touched by someone else? To not be touched by your spouse, not be touched by your children, to never have them, nobody to be able to put their arm or be willing to put their arm around you and say, good job, or I love you, or something like that. To experience uh, not just adults, but children running away from you, they see you, and wherever you, have, wherever you go, you know, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, you know, so people would have a chance to run. And these lepers knew the, the laws and the traditions. They knew exactly how far that they, had to, they were required to be away from the public. And there they stand, these lepers, these ten lepers. And they stand away, trying, I'm guessing, shouting over the crowd. Because wherever Jesus went, there were crowds, right? People wanted to be around Jesus. And so there was noise. And here they were, a distance away, trying to shout so that Jesus could hear them and they would shout out, Master, we're told. They shout out shout out, Master, have mercy on us, have pity on us. Maybe, maybe they wanted alms, maybe they wanted some food or clothing or something. It's even possible, as I mentioned, that that they knew that Jesus was a healer, and that possibly, quite possibly, if they would reach out in faith, believing Jesus would show some mercy as he had done to so many others. Let's face it, when you don't have any hope, you're willing to try just about anything, right? Even if you don't really believe that, it might be the case. But in any case, they knew their, they knew their place, and they cried out for mercy, but they did not dare draw close to Jesus. So let's continue reading in verse 14, chapter 17. And we'll read uh, 14 through 16. And so when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and said with a loud voice, I'm sorry, and with a loud voice, glorified God. And he fell down his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a what? Yeah, it just seems out of place, right? Boom. He was a Samaritan. Okay. He was German. He was Spanish. You know, he was a Samaritan. It's kind of interesting. And really, I got to be honest with you, Jesus' answer seems a little surprising. And I think to most of us as we read this story, um, he doesn't ask if they believe, like he has done before, right? He doesn't ask them that. He doesn't lay hands on them. He doesn't Spit on the ground and make a little poultice and put it on the wounds. He doesn't rub it in their wounds. And But what he says to them, when he sees them, he says, go to show yourself to the priests. And essentially, he tells them what the law, the Old Testament, required the leper to do when a leper was cleansed. But notice what Jesus does. Essentially, he tells them to do what the law requires when a leper is cleansed without really assuring them that they're going to be healed. He, does, he never says that, right? He doesn't say it. So it's kind of amazing, right? And uh, it was possible, you may know this, that it was possible for leprosy to go into remission. And the truth is that many who were called lepers really didn't have leprosy at all. They might have had psoriasis. They might have had eczema. And other problems that affected their skin. And of course those things come and go. And so when they got those things. And they, uh, it looked like leprosy. And they went to the priests. And they were, went to the colony. But then sometimes it would go away. So then they would have to go to the priests. And the priests would look them over carefully. And then they would put them in a quarantine. And after some time they would announce that they were clean. And uh, that would be amazing. But when Jesus said to the ten... Go and show yourself to the priests. He was telling them to act in faith as if they already had been healed. Isn't that right? He was acting them to act in faith. Even though the healing really was not a reality, was not a reality at this point. In fact, I think it's verse 14, and it says, As they went, did you catch that when we read it? As they went, they were cleansed. I think it's very interesting that all ten of the lepers obeyed the command of Jesus to go and show themselves to the priests that having no proof that they would be healed. Not one of them asked, why, uh, why go when we haven't been healed? Okay, you could expect maybe someone to say that. Or, or, don't you think you should cure us first? Wouldn't that be appropriate? And they didn't argue the theological implications of the healing. What did they do? They merely obeyed the voice of Jesus. And while they were busy obeying, what happened? All ten were healed. There's got to be a lesson in there somewhere, right? As they went, as they obeyed Jesus, as they followed the words of Jesus, they were healed. There's got to be something there, don't you think? And I, I've thought about these passages for so long, how, how you know the meaning of that And you can imagine them uh, leaning on their crutches, they have their bandages and they're they're all wrapped up and they're limping and they're hobbling down the road and on the way, one after another discovers that they are clean. Can you imagine that? My sores are gone. I can feel my fingers. My feet don't hurt. I can feel things again. Could you imagine what that was like? My flesh has been restored. In fact, they might have said, you know, it's, it's like children's flesh. I believe when God does something, he does it right. It feels like a, like a child's skin. And they start to walk faster. You can imagine them walking faster because they're anxious to do what the law required, to get to the priest and be declared clean so that they can go back home. But then, what happens? There is one, right? There's ten, but then there's one out of ten who stops short. And somehow he he makes the connection. And he says to himself, essentially, now wait a minute. That rabbi just healed me. I need to go back and thank him. I need to go back. i got to go back. And he leaves the others on the way. And the scripture says that he's praising God in a loud voice. Amen? And then he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And he's thanking him. He's probably kissing his feet. Who knows? And at this point, Luke gives a very interesting tidbit that we mentioned already. It says that he was a Samaritan. Right? Now... You understand. I don't have to explain that Samaritans were not really loved by the Jews, and the Jews weren't really loved by the Samaritans. And uh, the Samaritans—forgive uh, me for the term—but they were known as half-breeds to the Jews. Right? They weren't fully Jewish, and they had their own their own religion. Right? It was a it was a, a hybrid religion. And uh, I'm so glad, as we're going to see, I'm so glad that that Luke bothered to share that little detail and others, right? Because there's a reason. There's a lot here to learn about the difference between feeling grateful and actually displaying or expressing gratitude. And so this man limps away on crutches, and now he discovers he is skipping and dancing and running, returning back to Jesus, praising him at the top of his lungs saying, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Can you imagine that? And then he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. He's embracing him around the ankles. You know, some may call it groveling with tears of joy streaming down his face. And what is he saying? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Do we really understand what this meant to this man? And I can imagine some of the disciples, maybe even Christ, part of the 12, standing there thinking, man, does he have to get so emotional about this? That's what we do sometimes when people are really excited. I'm not comfortable with this display of emotion. This is not what is decent and in order looks like. But you know, nothing like that matters to the Samaritan. He doesn't care what other people think. He's been healed by a Jewish rabbi who ought to have despised him. It's an amazing story. And he doesn't care what other people think. His sentence of banishment and death has been lifted and he has come to thank and praise the Lord, the one who has lifted the curse from him. But you know, the story isn't just, really, the story isn't about the one, believe it or not. We've spent half our time, believe it or not, or more than half our time, talking about the one, but he's not the focus of this story. Having received the worship of the Samaritan leper, Jesus turns to him, and in verse 17 and 18, let's read it. So Jesus answered and said to him, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this what? This foreigner. This Samaritan. It's kind of a dig. Jesus likes to give friendly digs, you know, to get you thinking. And he said to them, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now, do you think that the other nine were grateful when they left? When they discovered that, that they were healed, you think they were grateful? What do you think? How could they not, right? How could they not feel grateful for being able to not feel the pain and, and now the separation from their society? How could they not? But the other nine, but that wasn't good enough for Jesus. What did he say? Only one came back to express gratitude to say thank you. And I believe, and and I'm part of the group, folks, I believe that God is still saddened by how few people actually express their thanksgiving to God. And we're thankful, we're grateful for all the blessings we have, but how often do we express it to him and to others? Many of us are too busy to stop and acknowledge God and simply say, thank you God. Or there are some may have convinced themselves that they deserve everything they have. I've worked for everything I have. I don't have to say thank you. We live our lives enjoying the blessings of God. But how often do we stop and express our gratitude to others? The Bible says in our passage that we read this morning, give thanks in... What does it say? What's the next word? In all, in every circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The key is to give thanks, not merely to be thankful. Now I'm certain that the other nine lepers were grateful. You you said that too. You thought the same thing. How could anyone not feel thankful after being healed of this deadly disease, but only one of them? Did the right thing by coming to Jesus and expressing their gratitude. So I'll say it one more time. There's a difference between feeling grateful and expressing our gratitude. I remember, oh, this must have been, this has been a quite a while ago, a couple of districts ago, Pastor Weaver, um, and I. We had known a couple, and, and I'll just say their names, because some of you know Candy and Daryl Coon up in Tomahawk. And, and uh, they were, uh, years ago, Gladys and I were just so blessed by their music and uh, playing the guitar, singing, just wonderful. And they were part of a group before we knew them. But anyhow, they would give out tapes to their friends. They'd invite people over, and then when, before they left, they said, hey, we'd like to give you a gift, and they gave me a tape of their music. That, it was music that they had done together. And uh, I remember playing that so much, I had to go back to her you know, about two months later. And I said, can I get another tape? I wore the other one out. And I think I wound up getting three. And I went back. I know, I think the third one, she said, no, we gave up on the tapes. We now have CDs. So she gave me a CD. But I listened to that music, and it blessed me so much. I can't tell you. What a blessing it was. And one day I was sitting in my living room upstairs in Madison, and I was just, I started, I was listening to the music, I started to cry, and I I said, God, thank you so much for their ministry. And I felt like God was telling me to go ahead and tell them that. And I called Candy right away, and I said, Candy, I just, is Daryl home? Yeah, he's home. Put him on the phone. And I said, I just want you to know, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, but I want you to know what an impact your ministry has had on my life. And, you know, they expressed, like they started to cry. They started to feel emotional because, in fact, not very many people had said thank you over the years. And it's not like you do it for the thank you, but but it's nice to hear it. And, you know, so I feel like God helped me to be a blessing to them and i wanted to do that and uh you know if i what i'm trying to say is if i don't tell someone thank you i'm missing out on not, i'm missing out on a blessing they're missing out on a blessing too that they may need in their life so with god don't just feel thankful give thanks the bible says in hebrews 13 verse 15 though through jesus therefore let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. And notice it says the fruit of lips, not just a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, but the fruit of praise. Don't just feel it. Tell God how grateful you are. And we aren't just to thank God for the things in life. These things are easy for the good things in life. But you know that passage we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? It says, Be thankful in all circumstances. And I wonder how many of them. I heard a little bit of this morning that, that there certainly are people here that understand about being thankful, even in difficult situations, and uh, being grateful. And if we could learn to do that in our lives, it would be a blessing for us. But whatever happens, we can always find something for which we can be thankful. Can you say amen to that? Uh, think about that. So as we kind of head towards the end here, there's a story. I don't know if you've ever heard of Matthew Henry. Um, he was uh, an early American preacher and a commentator. In fact, the first commentaries I ever had were Matthew Henry uh, commentaries. And some good stuff. But there's a story told about him, a true story, as he was traveling back from preaching Matthew Henry was robbed on the side of the road. Now most people wouldn't think that that's a circumstance that you could really give thanks. You know that he was robbed, but but he did. And he wrote later on. He said, "I'm thankful that during these years I've never been robbed before. And even though they took my money, they didn't take my life. And all they took, and although they took all I had, it wasn't much. <laughs> he had a sense of humor too." Finally, I'm grateful that it was I who robbed. I'm sorry, that I who was robbed, and it wasn't I who robbed. Can you say amen? And having this kind of attitude of thankfulness is not easy, but it's worth it. And if you're going through a time of pain and difficulty, and I imagine in a group like this, there is someone, why don't you try to find something about your situation which you can be thankful for? I know it's not easy sometimes. And I've wondered, as I read about this healing of the ten lepers, is if, was Jesus trying to tell us 90% of us don't thank God enough? I don't know. God has given us so many blessings, church, dear church. Never mind all the things that we're traditionally thankful for on Thanksgiving, this coming Thursday. We need to look at the wonderful blessings of redemption and to be thankful. Let I me mean, just think about the fact that we remind ourselves how Jesus died for us on the cross for our sins. We've been set free from the power of sin. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have, every one of us here, has an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And we are kept by the power of God until God gets us there. Let me ask you, did we deserve that? No. We didn't deserve it. Did we earn it? No, not at all. How much did it cost us? Nothing. How much did it cost Jesus? It cost everything. His life. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, God demonstrated his own love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from his wrath through him? Isn't that enough reason to be overflowing with gratefulness this Thanksgiving? I don't know about you, but I I don't want to be like those nine, okay? That are soaking up the blessings, even experiencing, feeling blessed, but never sharing the blessing with someone else. I want to be the one who says thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you to the other people in my life that have made a difference in my life. And so let's determine that we're going to be like that one and return our gratefulness and our thanks to Jesus. Let's not just feel thankful but let's for his wonderful blessings, but let's learn to express them in our own way. We don't all do it the same way. That's, that's fine. We don't all have to shout and jump, but we can express it in some way, find a way to express our gratitude. So thank you for listening this morning, and I hope that all of us have a wonderful Thanksgiving this year. And uh, I hope that this Thanksgiving Day turns into thanks living. That is for the other 364 and a quarter days we got. Amen? Okay, so I think at this point we're going to sing our closing song, Redeemed. We're going to thank God for that. Uh, Page 338, Redeemed.